So today we're going to look in 2 Timothy chapter 4. You might want to go ahead and turn to that. It reveals some very interesting challenges to the lead pastor of a church. And so the message today is titled Pastor Part 2. For those of you that were here in January, we had Pastor Part 1 and We thought at that time that our pastor was going to come soon, so I was going to do like a part one and a part two, and then it kind of got delayed, so I said, let's just wait on pastor part two for a little bit. So pastor part one, though, prepared us to realize some of the things that um, the background of the pastor has to have and some of the things that the pastor has to do um, before they can actually come in and be a lead pastor for the church. So there's been a lot of background checks. (coughs) Excuse me. And um, testing and things like that being done. And so today what I want to do is reveal some what might be surprising facts for you that many people don't know about pastors. And how we can support, how you can support your new lead pastor with this newfound knowledge. I think it builds well on last week's message from Joshua 1, follow the leader. Thank you, Max, for, for a good message from Joshua 1. And, and that, he, he asked me, um, like the week before, are you going to be preaching on Joshua 1? It's just so appropriate for what we're going through. And sure enough, it is. So thanks for taking some time to do that. Um, So, in your handout, if you grabbed one, you've got 14 items that we're going to be covering, and I'll just obviously not go deep into them, but those are some of the surprising facts. I came up with this idea from a pastor named Josh Weedman, who is also an author, and he wrote an article on his website called Surprising Facts You May Not Know About Pastors. I read through them and I thought, man, he's right on. And I went home and I read it to Pamela and she said, yep, that's, that's for sure. And then I said, you know, the sad part is this pastor writes these articles for other pastors to read and nobody else typically sees them or hears about them. So I wanted to share some of those things with you and I, I, I felt it was... God leading me from 2 Timothy chapter 4 to this um, sharing of the things that pastors do. First of all, you need to realize that the definition of a pastor is to be a shepherd, a shepherd leader of his flock. So we pastors are called to be under shepherds. We're not like the lead shepherd. We're under shepherds, under shepherds. The great shepherd, Jesus. You may know that being a shepherd of the local church means that the pastor needs to preach. That the pastor probably officiates weddings and officiates funerals. And probably has some meetings in his office like the kids were talking about. He needs to be able to talk to people about theological things. And sometimes people will come and ask some theological things. But what else is it like to really be a pastor? Let's look at 
2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to young Timothy, who was a young lead pastor, and this is what the charge was that Paul gave him. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, pastor. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, pastor, keep your head in all situations. You, pastor, endure hardships. You, pastor, do the work of an evangelist. And you, pastor, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Did you hear that last part? That catch-all? That's some of the surprising facts that maybe you don't know about. All the duties of your ministry. But what is it really like to be a person that is a lead pastor? Here are some surprising facts. Pleasing God versus pleasing people. We pastors fight the balance between pleasing God and pleasing people. We fight that balance every day. We do what we do because we love God. And we love people. Trying to please both is a common reason that a lot of pastors have burnout. In part because people and God don't always, don't always want the same thing. Pleasing God wins. It said so here in the scripture, preach the word. But we also want to please people, but people get those itching ears. Living with the pressure of pleasing people can be extremely draining on a pastor. When your new pastor says something in his sermon that makes you feel uneasy, Consider if maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you. We pastors do not typically try to displease you. Sometimes when we are preaching God's word, it can cause you to feel awkward. It's at that moment that, that you should consider repenting and reconciling with God and or your neighbor. Let's talk a little bit about feedback. We pastors often hear more negative than positive feedback. 
people assume that pastors get praised often for their good sermons. It's not true. We hear complaints often and more readily than we hear compliments. We must keep our head and endure hardships, is what the Scripture says. And healthy pastors can live without a lot of compliments. At least we should be able to. But the reality is that we often hear more negative than positive feedback on our preaching, on the worship music, on theological points, and on obvious misspoken words that we let spit out when we're standing at the podium. Think about maybe what you can do to change this trend with your next lead pastor. What can each one of you do to help? Family affair. Like I was talking to the kids, pastors have families. And pastors' families feel the weight of our calling more than, more than they will ever tell you. Pamela certainly feels the weight of our calling. If I'm called to ministry, she too must be called. It's especially important working with IPM, Interim Pastor Ministries, as as we move from one church to another to another. She also knows that me being a lead pastor means that there are times when we have our own special family time that I might just have to get up and leave and go because someone is in crisis. When our kids were young, they felt the weight of our calling to full-time ministry. Sometimes I would bring pressures of church home. They felt the pressures of being a PK, a pastor's kid. There was an unspoken expectation in Sunday school. At least they felt that they needed to know all the answers and they didn't have a clue (laughs) what those answers were. And there were unthoughtful comments that were made to our children about their dress on Sundays or about how they looked during extracurricular activities. Pastors' families are well aware of what full-time ministry does to the family. Even the youngest family member will feel the weight of what it's like to be called into the ministry. Andrea, our oldest, was seven years old when I first started in ministry. And Dawn was five. And they were very shy children. They never really did anything in the church other than like any other kid. Come and listen and have fun and be with other kids. And we went to this church and, and they noticed that no one was at the front door greeting anyone. And there were bulletins that at that time, bulletins that would be handed out, but no one was handing them out. So there's Andrea, seven and Dawn, five, that would go in every Sunday until finally the adults caught on that maybe someone should be greeting people as they come in and they would stand there and hand out the bulletins. It just surprised Pamela and I. We had no idea that they even 
thought that they should be doing something like that. So there's pressures and, and there's desires to, to please the people, even with our kids. So please be mindful that your new lead pastor is not called to serve without his entire family being called. And they all need your love. The entire family is called, even by default, to be in ministry alongside one another. Pastors' kids feel the pressure of being different. They feel like people expect them to know things of the Bible that even adults don't know. And adults are afraid to ask. So just remember this with your pastor's kids and encourage them as they are kids growing in the likeness of Christ just like all of us. All right, let's talk about saying no. Pastors say no because we love our sheep. We say no because we have families that we love and we care for. We have to say no sometimes in order to be a good dad or a present husband, a good friend, or just because we need a little bit of self-care. When your new lead pastor gets here and he says, no, I, I can't be there for that church event. It should not be received as an indication that your pastor does not love his sheep because he, he does but as a protective measure for the greater good of the local church body, he should be expected to say no so he can continue to serve the church well. Speaking about wellness, that's the next topic. This one might surprise you. Eating well, exercising well, and sleeping well are very hard for pastors to do. Pastors are often selfless to a fault. We will more quickly go serve someone than to work out or to sleep or to prioritize our self-care. While it may sound nice that pastors are willing to do that and selfless and think of others first, There's a balance that needs to be practiced. I still struggle with it daily or weekly. It will not be good for your pastor or the person being served if your pastor can't make some type of balance there. He needs to keep his head in all situations. That's part of what that verse means. Living hope Missionary Church of Dunphy has elders that are going to be constantly meeting with the the lead pastor and checking up on his wellness. Consider what you can do, each one of you individually, what you can do to help your new lead pastor and his family to have a time of relaxation. Maybe, maybe you could simply take them out to eat. Or invite them over to your home for a meal or, or just a relaxing time. But remember, it needs to be with no strings attached. No hidden agenda on why you're having them over. 
All right, social interactions. Now, I can't speak for all pastors. This is definitely me, your lead pastor that's coming maybe a little bit different, but many pastors are professional extroverts. <laughs> We're, we are required to do a lot of deep thinking and study to be prepared in season and out of season, as Scripture says. And we are used to being alone. And most of us actually like it. We enjoy our time with people too because we do love people. But we're often just professional extroverts. We, we wouldn't normally be good at getting along with people in public. But God somehow provides a special bit of grace for us to be able to do that so that we can relate to crowds and we can lead people. It comes out of a secondary set of spiritual gifts, I guess you might be able to say. Somehow God provides us that ability to do the work of an evangelist, as Scripture says, without necessarily having that spiritual gift of evangelism. Sounds strange, doesn't it? But somehow that it works. I, I surprise myself frequently because of what God is doing in me when I need to share the gospel with someone that, wow, where'd that come from? That was not me. But God just provided the opportunity. So consider how you might need to adjust your expectations of the new lead pastor. All right, let's talk about finances. I think we could have a sermon on each one of these topics, but <laughs> here we go. Most pastors could get paid better doing something else, but we don't want to. Pastors really cannot do anything else. We could, but we can't. Because it's the love of God, and God has called us to do this. Pastors will sometimes even stay longer than maybe what they feel. We, we need to keep our head, we need to endure hardship, and we need to do all the duties of our ministry. Having a calling is more than a feeling. We may not feel it at all. Pastors grapple with that reality a lot. And it also doesn't mean, not only may we may not feel it, but we also may not get paid very well. It's the responsibility of the local church to ensure financial support is provided. Scripture makes it very clear, this is not my thought, that those who proclaim the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14. By extension, this means that the local church is responsible for supporting its pastor and ensuring that he is free from worldly care and employment. Please note, these are just good things to know. 
I'm not saying the church is doing a bad job with it. But keep it in mind because you'll bring him in at some pay and you need to continue to think about that. How have things changed as we go forward together with him? Oh, let's talk about spiritual warfare. I don't know if you think much about world, spiritual warfare in your life or not, but spiritual warfare for the pastor is just a way of life. The devil hates all Christians unless you want to be a carnal Christian and live moment by moment in sin He might leave you alone because he just loves to see you doing that. I used to think that there was no way that a pastor would have a bigger target on him. But over the years, I've learned that the better that you serve God, the more the widespread repercussions that you will receive from the evil one. There does seem to be a target on your pastor's back. And the enemy just loves to lob his arrows at that target on your pastor's back. Especially, especially when a church is living and growing and sharing the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Spiritual warfare is just a part of the occupational hazard for a pastor. It's in these times that we need to keep our head and realize that spiritual warfare is a part of discharging all of the duties of your ministry. This is where we can lean in on that victory that Jesus had on the cross. And when he was buried, it wasn't over. There was victory even over death. It's already been won by Jesus. And we all need to remember that in our spiritual warfare. But I ask that you pray for your new lead pastor with the realization that he is daily in spiritual battle. The warfare becomes even more heated and it will become more heated as Living Hope Missionary Church bursts out onto the scene in your community. And the name of Jesus is proclaimed and the kingdom of God is shared. More and more, you will need to surround your pastor in prayer and support during those times. Let's talk about work hours. Pastors do work more than one day a week. You've heard the joke, right? Well, you only work one day a week and only one hour in that day. What's the big deal? I know they're joking, but it's obviously not true. Remember a joke, at least to me, a joke is not a joke unless there's someone that's having the expense of that joke. In this case, it's the expense of scarring your pastor's soul. Your new lead pastor will be expected to fill roles, roles that are both spiritual 
and administrative. Because of all the responsibility, most pastors only have one day off a week, if they're lucky. They're still on call, even on that day. It takes a lot of intentionality for a pastor to have two days off per week. Pray for your new lead pastor. He's going to need prayer, and he's going to need some adjustment of his schedule. How's that going to look for him and you? If you can, help him have those times of rest. He needs them. And I would like to say, from my experience here over the last 17 months, that Living Hope Missionary Church has been very good about that. I asked that I would like to have Fridays and Saturdays off as my two days off per week, and you all have been very good. And I don't mind getting an email, a text, a phone call, or an emergency, because we are on call. But other than that, I feel pretty free to be able to have some time off. So keep that in mind as your new pastor comes and help him realize it's okay to take a day off. And as we're talking about days off, how about vacation? This is another surprise, and it was actually in that article that I was reading, and I thought it was really pretty accurate. He said that it, it takes pastors about seven days to unplug for a meaningful, true vacation. I, I really believe that. It really is hard for pastors to unplug. We can physically walk away from the building. We can drive out of town, but our head and our heart is still connected. When we go on vacation, it can take up to a full week for us to unwind before we finally feel that we're present in the vacation. Pamela and I try to take at least one two-week vacation during the year because of that, so that I can become fully unplugged and we can be fully together and maybe together with our family, with our grandkids. I believe that your leadership team put together a very generous vacation package for your new lead pastor, and, and you should continue to support that. Please continue to support it and and help him to realize it's not about taking a day here and a day there and adding him up to whatever the vacation time is. Help him to realize he needs to unplug. It's the longer time away that will really reap benefits for you and energize this ministry because of him being able to unplug and come back energized then he can engage the church and the community with new vigor and new support through Jesus Christ. All right, the next item is friends. Let me first say, friends, I love each one of you. And there's a, a, a kind of a friendship that we've built. But you should know that it's really hard for pastors to have friends. People just assume that pastors have lots of friends because our daily work is with people. But most of us and our family do not have deep personal relationships with others. Think about it. Living Hope Missionary Church is your pastor's place of worship. The church 
is your pastor's place of work. The church is most likely the potential friend circle for the pastor and his family. Most people have different contexts for each one of those things. You worship at one place, you work at one place, and you have a circle of friends from another place. Pastors' contexts are typically all the same. And the leadership role of pastor is, is not a hat that can easily be taken off in these contexts. It, it makes it very difficult to have friends. Pastors also struggle with people who treat us as a friend and not as their pastor. So there's a real dichotomy here. Remember, the pastor is charged with correcting and rebuking and giving careful instructions. Not very many people want to be friends when they're being corrected or rebuked or instructed. It's a hard line to figure out. There's just an inherent problem separating lead pastor responsibilities from a deep friendship. That's not to say that it's impossible. It's not impossible for a pastor to have friends, but it takes effort. Sometimes our best friends are not in the church where we serve, and that needs to be okay too. Consider how you might use this information about friends when you meet your new lead pastor and how you can support their needs and their desires. All right, the next topic is mourn, mourning. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but a pastor seldom gets time to mourn the loss of a loved one or someone close to them. For the pastor to be prepared at all times, verse 2 from our scripture, to discharge all the duties of our ministry, verse 5, People seldom think that a pastor may even need time to mourn and to personally struggle through their own stages of grief during a loss. When a prominent member of a church, just think about that, a prominent member of your church passes into eternity with God, the pastor is called on to console the family, to officiate the funeral, to help the family and the church membership through the stages of grief and to manage the leadership hole that was just made by this prominent member that is no longer there at the church. The pastor needs to take care of all that. Even with his close family members and the rest of his extended family, they call upon him because he's a pastor to officiate the funeral. That's where I was yesterday, officiating the funeral of my uncle. Extended family of a pastor typically wants the pastor in the family. They, they love the fact that they've got a pastor in the family that can marry and bury everyone even the family's friends. Remember, your lead pastor is a man that hurts. 
right along with the rest of us. Be sure to consider his ministry needs too. The central region of the missionary church will be a pastor to your pastor. But they're not going to know him like the rest of you are going to get to know him. Be sure to consider his ministry needs. He will need support from you at some time during his ministry because of his own personal hurts and losses. All right, let's talk about rewards. Let's change, go to the other spectrum. Pastors are rewarded just by the fact that we're invited into a full spectrum of the big moments of your lives. Think about it. What other profession gets to be an intimate part of births and deaths and baptisms and marriages and salvation and sacred holidays and struggles and victories in all of your lives? A physician tends to births and deaths. A counselor tends to struggles and victories. A pastor, we have the privilege of being invited into a full spectrum of the moments in lives of people that we love and that we serve. What an awesome reward. It's deeply rewarding. And it's one of those special gifts that God gives us that makes all of this worthwhile. Be sure to invite your new lead pastor into your life, into the big moments of your life, into the intimate parts of the life of your family. We get highly rewarded from God during those times. And then the last thing I want to say is get it. Pastors and their families get it. Yeah, we get it. We have life experiences too. A lot of people forget that. We too experience those uncomfortable years of being a teenager. We walked daily in sin before salvation. And many days in sin after salvation. Until we finally learned how to rebound. Remember 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We learn to rebound. And then we also learn how to make Jesus Lord of our lives. Giving all that we are and all that we have to Him and all that we do. But pastors are always fighting, always fighting our own sin too. We are far from perfect. There was a season in our life when we Yes, we were personally more interested in money, in the newest cars, the biggest, beautiful, nicest house. We were more interested in that than financing the local church. Pamela and I have experienced the lows of brokenness and the highs that come from reconciliation. We are who we are. But it's not about us now. I just ask that you be patient with your lead pastor. 
your new lead pastor and his family. Realize that they get it. Pray for them as often as you think of them and remember them. Another thing about get it is not only do pastors get it, but our greatest joy is when our sheep get it. We experience joy when people finally get it and understand what we have been discipling them toward. We experience joy when struggling couples come to us for help and they finally get it and they renew their marriage vows. And they want to grow closer and closer to each other for the rest of their lives. We experience joy when a single person gets it and is saved through faith in Jesus Christ. This is why pastors love doing what we do. Not only are we called by God and charged to a difficult task, but we get to help. And we get to disciple people toward the love of Jesus Christ. What an awesome honor. And we love it when they get it. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the challenges that you lay out for young pastors in Scripture of 2 Timothy chapter 4. We thank you that these things also pertain to our lead pastor, our next lead pastor, and their family. And Lord, we just ask that you open up our hearts and minds and our souls to a better understanding of who they are, whose they are, and what they're going through. Help us to help them stay focused on the great calling of ministry. Help us to be good flock people who can be shepherded by the pastor. And Lord, we do pray for him. We do pray that he constantly seek guidance from Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, that he constantly rebounds and comes back into fellowship whenever the sin comes upon him. And Lord, we pray for his family. Help them to grow closer and closer to Jesus Christ in what we would maybe call a normal way, in a way that we can just love them and help them to grow. Help us to be your children, all of us, in this church that we call Living Hope Missionary Church. Through the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Amen. Brian is going to come forward now and give a little interview.